All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Noble Truths with Rab Aurora. Um, today, we're taking a little break from my usual format of talking to interesting and informative people within the space of mental health, psychedelics, and spirituality. Um, and today, we're, we're just going to take some time to talk about Kendrick Lamar because I'm a huge fucking fan of him, and this is my podcast, and I can do whatever I want, apparently. Um, so Kendrick Lamar, um, for those of you who don't know, um, in, in my opinion, the greatest rapper alive that's ever existed. Um, he's back after five years with a new pre-album song, The Heart Part 5, um, a continuation of his uh, The Heart Part series. Um, so today we're just going to talk about that. Uh, he just released his album, which is an 18-track album. We're going to talk about that. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I've, I've listened to a couple of snippets. Um so we're joined by uh, Tyler Ford um, today, who is a music enthusiast, hip-hop nerd. Um, I was going to do this podcast today with my friend Eric's Electrons, who many of you will know from Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. He posts a lot of interesting things about science, politics, psychology, and whatnot. Um, he and I were going to do this, but he was not available to come. So I was looking for people to talk to about Kendrick Lamar, talk to hip hop. And I was really struggling to find somebody because most of the people that I work with and collaborate with are, are only um, people that I um, talk to in terms of politics, culture, spirituality. And now I, I've a broad network of people within the psychedelic space. But for this, I was trying to find somebody. So I, I was, I, I decided to like think about somebody from like high school or middle school. And I remember this one individual, Tyler Ford, who was really into music, uh, who loved hip hop. Um, so I just invited him on just to have a good conversation. Um, I'm sure he'll have a lot of interesting insights to share. Um, we're just going to keep it pretty, pretty cash and just, talk about the, the the hard part five and what to expect for the album. So Tyler, welcome. You can unmute yourself. Sweet. Thanks, man. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be a part of this. I'm very excited. Is this your podcast debut? <laughs> yeah, it is. I haven't been one on one before. Um, me and actually me and Jake and Josh did one, one test episode of a podcast where we just talked about nothing. <laughs> And it was kind of like, a, I don't know, we just wanted to see how it would go. And I, I started recording and before I kind of told him it was happening and we had a few drinks, we just hung out, we talked and we got, still got to get together and record like an actual one with like structure and format. But nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, Josh and Jake from high school. Yeah. From CSS. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Still see cool. them decently nice. like on a regular basis, but. Nice. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll chat about that after offline. For sure. Um, didn't know you guys were going to do a podcast. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, man, Kendrick, what do you what do you feel on Hard Part Five? Um, I mean, it's it, it's a, it's a great song. He totally delivered. Um, I I didn't really have any expectations from him. Really, I mean, I didn't know what to expect from this because he's been so it's been so long, and he's. He's, he's an offline person. He doesn't comment on the culture, on what's happening. So this is all just fresh. Um, and yeah, same old Kendrick, you know, really strong bars, really, you know, so many different layers to this. Um, any, any thoughts right off the bat on the heart part five? Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's the strongest of the heart 
series for sure. Um, I like how lyrical it is and how he just like, doesn't stop. Like the chorus separates, you know, the, you know, verses, but it really doesn't feel like it stops. It flows really nicely. And the whole thing works so well as a whole. It is not only deep and has a really, really effective message, but it, it sounds good, which is exactly what I'd expect from one of the best artists in modern hip hop. A good song with like true meaning. I really yeah. like the touches on gang violence and some of the, some of the different ways he represents that. And I think that also goes along with the music video. Like, you know, when Will Smith comes up, the first bar he says is, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And that was such a big thing. Like a month ago, Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris rock. But like, we all know what he's going through and how hurt he is. Like he did not want to do that. I don't think right. As much as it happened and it sucked. I, yeah, I really yeah, liked that exactly. representation. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a, as a, as a side point, it is interesting to me, I guess he, since that Will Smith thing, it was about a month ago, right? Yeah. If not less. Yeah. Maybe was it maybe even like three weeks ago? Um, so like so that was happening, and then we get the hard part five. So clearly Kendrick was still in the process of like making and executing the song um, just a few weeks ago. Then that means if he saw that and added that into the song, I assume I totally think good, so. I assume he had like a structure in mind. I'm sure he didn't make something up in a few weeks, but I'm sure he had something, and he looked at that and decided to make that addition into the the lyrics and then into the music video. Oh right? yeah. So that that's that's super interesting how he's just an ever an ever evolving machine of, of creativity. He's just absorbing all the culture, all of the, the politics, all of what's happening in the world and just like letting himself be a vessel to express some of these uh cultural phenomena that are interesting and reveal certain things about where we're headed as a society. Yeah. Um so uh so he starts the song by saying, As I get as I get a little older, I realize life is perspective. And my perspective may differ from yours. Um, I want to say thank you to all his fans. Um, and um, the song obviously has all these different perspectives. And in one of in some of the artwork for the album, um, there was some teaser image where uh, he said, "I am all of us." Can yeah. Lamar, I am all of us. And that and that so, comes up before the music video as well. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's really interesting to me how he is trying to represent kind of everybody. And I, I think maybe one macro kind of thing about the video is that, you know, there's all these different parts to him and all these different parts of black culture, maybe that he's representing all this diverse range of people. Um, and it doesn't have to be you know, limited to, to one race. It's, it's really, he's trying to represent so much emotionally, culturally, politically, and, I think he is trying to, um, I think he's maybe even trying to capture all these different voices and imply that they're all, they're all sort of part of him, but the world is all part of him. He's, he's absorbing all these different parts because he has, you know, legendary basketball figure Kobe. Um, he has Nipsey, you know, RIP, same with Kobe. And he has Jesse Smollett, who's a total political hack who did something to, just get just get attention from people um through the the hate crime hoax that he did yeah um and then he has you know will smith who's a famous uh actor who did this 
horrible thing on stage and slap Chris Rock. It's like all these different parts that represent something. They represent, you know, they represent talent. They represent this this legendary iconic status. And we're talking about Kobe and and Nipsey um, and and Kanye West. You know, he mentions the bipolar who, you know, broadly speaking, that kind of represents a a kind of unstable, sort of degraded, sort of caught in the mess of fame type of energy. Yeah. Um, and then you have, you know, uh, uh, OJ, of course, who represents, you know, whatever violence, somebody who's famous who did something horrible. Um, and so you have all these different parts, all these, that's kind of the way I was looking at it. It's like all these different energies that he's trying to capture in this one song, kind of to say all these different parts of all these different people that he's representing. They're all sort of within us there. Everybody has that talent in them. They have that fear in them. We have that desire to that desperation for attention. You know, that's what Jesse Smollett was doing. We have this anger, this indignance, this this desire to to seek revenge and to be intolerant towards others. That's kind of what Will Smith was representing. So it's interesting yeah. to me how he, he brought this diverse range of, of people and just was kind of voicing um, all these different perspectives, um, all sort of, um, you know, not just as a song in terms of um, him playing different characters, which we know he does in his music, right? He often does that with, you know, Lucy or Uncle Sam from To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, a few different perspectives on Good Kid, Mad City. Uh, I think it was Shireen, her name is, um, one of his uh, ex-girlfriends, Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. where he raps from her perspective. I remember him rapping from the perspective of a prostitute in, in uh, I think it was Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. So, so he's able to play yeah, different yeah. characters and actually like, have this kind of theatrical movie kind of dynamic going on. But in this, in this song, he's, he's, it's not that he's necessarily like playing these distinct entities. It's that yeah. he's, he's, he somehow like made it vague enough where like when, when you just listen to the song itself, it's him speaking from the heart and sharing these very deep sentiments about gang violence, which we can talk about, but then he has all these different people in, and and they and there's some lines that are kind of vague and and at first I was a little even I was a little even underwhelmed by them because some of them I was like I feel like he could have really fleshed out like you know Jesse Smollett or Kobe or Will Smith he could have gone deeper into these characters but that's not really what he's trying to do he's not trying to make yeah he's he's not really trying to create different um, characters and represent them um, in great depth he's more so just sort of adding like another layer of meaning on top of what's a very personal song and kind of roughly sort of outlining kind of what they represent and sort of letting that all melt and gel within, again, what is a very uh, beautiful, dark and heartfelt song about his views on gang violence and his fame and his uh, lack of effectiveness and helping those things, which, which again, we could talk about, but, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. so interesting how he has that dual message there. I totally agree. I think it's really cool to see both sides and like when you were talking about perspective, I immediately thought of Duckworth, the last track on Damn, where he's, you know, first rapping from his dad's point of view and then from his looking back at what his dad's done for him, you know? Yeah. And like how it comes crazy full circle. I think it's super cool to see him always using a perspective, like looking in on it. I feel like him as an artist, it almost represents who he is. He's always trying to look at things from different perspectives and I think that really is attributed to part of the fact that he's just not online. You know, he's offline, he's off the grid. He observes and sees way more than we do being so saturated in social media. 
And like, even like this, like I'm sure for him, it was all very obvious things to write about. And he's looking at everyone who's missing this stuff and is just like, shit, man, like wake up, you know, at least in my opinion, like that's what I take from it. From watching him play these per- perspectives, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a very quiet, contemplative, meditative kind of person, right? And he's not looking for attention. And I mean, if I, this is maybe a tangent, but I, but I genuinely feel this. Of like, when I listen to Kendrick, I feel like, I feel like something divine about it. I feel yeah. like the voice of God sort of like channeling through. It. And this is not, I don't think this is like projection or exaggeration by any means, but he is, he's a very spiritual person. And he's very quiet and he's very content with himself. And, and this is yeah. something that, people who may be listening right now who kind of know about my work. I've been going a lot into meditation and Eastern philosophy and Hinduism and monastic kind of life. And many of the people that I've um, taken a lot of inspiration from are those very spiritual kind of people. I've, I've interviewed Sam Harris on my podcast who, or sorry, not mm-hmm. my podcast, but he had a phone call conversation and that's on my uh, Substack publication in, uh, in written form, an interview I did. And he, Sam Harris, for those of you who don't know, he's, he's a neuroscientist, but mostly he's known for being uh, an incredible meditation teacher. And he, when he was 20, he had these really powerful psychedelic trips out of us, you know, all of a sudden um, that he was sort of experimenting with. And then for 10 years, he just like went off the grid and went to India and trained with Buddhist and Hindu monks. And, and all they were doing was just meditating all day, you know, meditating yoga and for other people in that context, I can mean something more explicitly religious like prayer um and kendrick i definitely get that same energy from him and that's that's what he expressed in that uh letter that he wrote um i forget what he called it oh well he just called it new thoughts yeah and, and pre- it was on okay that, new thoughts yeah or, or yeah. Oklahoma. yeah 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 and it was just about him um i can't remember the exact words but him saying how much he kind of stays in his own energy by himself and engages in a kind of deep meditative process. Um, yeah. and, and I think he even said like he, he even spends, I think days or days or weeks without a phone, which was like, wow, like, like who can do that? No one can do that, but he can't literally cause he, cause he, and again, this is kind of a tangent, but I think, you know, people who have a really robust higher connection with or people have a very strong developed connection with something higher than themselves you know have a connection with god for them it's much it's much easier to let go of the grip of of social media of the internet of our phones um those people are far far few in between obviously i'm not included in that nor are, are almost everybody listening to this but for people who do spend a lot of time within faith and spirituality and meditation and prayer something which I'm doing more and more actually and being very deliberate about it. Those people are able to, you know, not always look for external validation and spend time with themselves and just let things absorb rather than just like this, this, this immediate clickbait mob culture where things are just happening in live time and people are just commenting on them. Even if it's a good thing, you know, being a journalist and, you know, writing stories that are new, it's, it's all, it's all good, but, there's there's definitely something noble about just retreating into the woods and just you know like like Sam Harris meditating for several hours a day in India for, for several years or K- 
Kendrick's case for, for five years, I'm sure he was spending time with family, spending alone time, like he was saying in his letter, spending a lot of time in prayer, reading scriptures, um, thinking about the world, contemplating, meditating. Um, I think that's where, that's where the greatest art comes from, is from that deep, introspective process where you, you're not just reacting to things in real time, but you're taking a step back and kind of going within and kind of looking at looking at what's happening within you and also just more more purely and less reactively kind of looking out at the world and absorbing whatever chaos is going on, whether it's BLM, COVID, defund the police, the political divisions, this, this, and that. Like Kendrick's taking a step back and now he's here with something which oh, I'm totally. sure is going to be very refined, very sophisticated, very mature, very well thought out, not, you know, not – and not even somebody you know like Kanye who can be very impulsive and reactive. Even if I think he's he's a genius, or maybe at least was a genius in, in previous music. But with Kendrick, he's 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 taken all this time off, and I'm sure what we're gonna get or what we've gotten right now is um, gonna be something very deep, uh, reflective, and just um, I th- I think may- maybe like a very refreshing, sobering perspective on issues that maybe we've had too much kind of cheap one-sided political, you know, know, debates on, you know, there's anyway, I'll, I'll I'll let you jump in before I start talking more and more, but there's a lot to talk about about the track list. Yeah, go ahead. I think, I think that I'm really excited because we've never gone this long without a Kendrick album. Like in 2009, he dropped two projects. He dropped one in 2010, 2011, Two in 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017, and now, and then 2018 with the Black Panther, just like the compilation. I feel like this is going to be his best work solely on the fact that he's had like five years just to refine and sit and like meditate. And I pulled up Oklahoma, like new thoughts. And he says right here, like I go months without a a phone. And when I was thinking of it, I was remembering weeks. I'm like, wow. Like, oh, oh, shit. I was saying days or weeks. It's months. Yeah, and it says, I go months without it's a phone. months. Nice. <laughs> and like, um, I did a program a little while ago called YWAM. And it was really amazing. And when I went on my like outreach, um, I spent a lot of time in prayer. And I was kind of forced into like to look deeper because I didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi. I didn't have electricity. Like we were doing sorry, bucket sorry, showers. Like- let me just pause for a second and say, I got you. So I, I know, I, I know a few people who've done this, but for people who don't know, YWAM is a, the Christian retreat for people to go and develop a relationship with God and spend time away from their usual activities. Yeah. Um, and yeah, anyway, just, just, just so people know what YWAM is, it's, it's a Christian yeah. um, retreat. Anyways, go on. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, it stands for youth with mission. We do a lot of missions work through them. And it's really cool because you get to go help people. You hang out. You learn more about your faith and why you believe it. And It's a good time. It's always good to look deeper, you know. And I was in this country called Vanuatu. It's the sister nation to Fiji. It's 84 islands. Like, I think it's 170,000 people live in this place. And I was in a little on a little island in a little village in the mountains right, right near the water. With, like, no power, no electricity we were drinking everything out of life straws because we just couldn't clean water 
it was we went through a hurricane there or like um a cyclone and we were there for two and a half months so to be off my phone and really locked in on myself and looking deeper was crazy for just that little short period of time i cannot imagine what this man does within himself over months you know disconnected and away from technology seeing him gone for the last five years and now back with a double album yep i'm yep. ready to be rocked i feel like we're about to get to pimp a butterfly and good kid mad city in like one drop yeah yeah no i'm definitely excited um not sure what to expect uh in terms of content wise but um you're just reminding me um just pulling this up here when I interviewed Sam Harris, who's an amazing meditation teacher, um, who I, for some reason, seem to be, um, uh, some, for some reason, I seem to be advertising him more and more these days, but that's because he's, he's helping me so much with his meditation app, which if anybody's interested, they can check it out. Um, waking up with Sam Harris, great meditation app. Um, and so I, anyway, I'm just reminded um, when I interviewed him, I'm just uh, looking at it. It's on my Substack. Ravarora.substack.com. And he was telling me here, um, this is a direct quote from him. He says, once, and I'm, well, first of all, let me just say, so, so he, he's talking about here how once you've, de- once you've developed a spiritual connection and you, you've spent a lot of time meditating um, for him in a more Eastern Buddhist context, but really this is universal. It doesn't matter if it's from a Christian angle or, or even an atheistic angle or whatever it is, but once you've spent a lot of time in deep, uh, introspection, meditation. Um, this is what he says. He says, sitting on a meditation retreat makes you recognize that boredom isn't real. Boredom is just a failure to pay attention. Um, once you have enough concentration, even the most mundane things seem profoundly interesting and you can disabuse yourself of boredom for all time on a silent retreat. So that's something you might consider doing at some point. He, that, that's what he said to me. Um, anyway, I just, I just thought that was, uh, uh, interesting and unfortunately most people can't do that. Um, that's something I struggle with too. And I'm, and this is kind of the theme of this, this podcast and my publication, um, is about spirituality, meditation, mental health, religion, that kind of thing. But that's something I try to do more and more, um, every day. I, I try to do two hours of meditation a day. That was my pledge for May. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very, very important having that quiet time where you're disconnected from, social media from other people. Um, I feel like we need more of that because everybody has their phones and you're getting texts and calls and social media stuff like all the time. And that I, I think that's a massive distraction from our inner life and from our uh, connection with God. I, I think it's a massive distraction and it prevents, it prevents us from spiritually growing and from understanding ourselves and actually understanding society and understanding the world better. So I think yeah. for Kendrick, He's taking months away from his phone. That's, and that, that's for, first of all, that's because he has a strong connection with God. No doubt in my mind. If you don't have that, then you're going to be like, well, you know, what do I do for months? Like I, I, I can't live. I, I need something to feed me, you know? And that's, that's my fucking, that's my Instagram feed. That's my Twitter feed. That's, that's the news. That's politics. It's podcasts for music to listen to, but he can do that because he's being fed by the most pure source, in my opinion, you know, the, the pure source of, of, of God, of the divine, of, of the, of, you know, whatever you want to call it. So he's able to go months 
months without it because and, and that's able to feed him and sustain him in that time and that's gonna and that's obviously what's leading to um this this incredible track the hard part five which we should uh uh get back to here um it's so easy to go on tangents yeah. and it's yeah <laughs> i find it really cool especially too because i you know people say i like i like to talk i like to hear my own voice and i totally agree but it's like yeah, it's just easy. It's easy to discuss and get lost in our own thoughts. And I totally just want to quickly add to what you were saying. It was, sure. It's so true. Like boredom, the first couple of days without a phone sucked. I'm not going to lie. It was like, man, I, you know, I want to hit up the homies, see how they're doing. I want to talk to my parents. I want to see what's going on in the world. We had no idea COVID hit because we were out right about the time it first started happening. And when I got back to New Zealand, all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, the world's shutting down. I had literally no idea until I was in the airport, like, getting off our flight. And it was crazy cool. And to feel so connected when you are so disconnected from the world was amazing. Boredom didn't exist. You could look at a tree and be fascinated mm. for an hour. Notice mm. all these new lines about it and the way that the bark yeah. moves. And, you know, I would spend hours on the beach just, like, in prayer and oftentimes I would just burst into tears because I'm like, holy shit, I've never noticed wow. how beautiful the world is. Wow. It was it was divine, dude. And I yeah. highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't. Like, even if it's just for two weeks, find some time, go to a cabin, go to a retreat, like an organized event, do something. Yeah. Where you just disconnect and get lost. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And not get lost and just spend the whole time thinking about bullshit from the past or start thinking yeah. about the future, but like actually be in the present moment. Yeah. And I should mean like get lost in yourself, you know, dive deeper and exactly be in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting the way you're talking about that, actually. That's how many people describe um, doing a microdose of psilocybin mushrooms. Many, many yeah. people um do that and get that kind of experience actually like i you know my friend eric who's uh jordan peterson's podcast producer is super insightful guy and, and he's talked to me before how he um you, know, you, you take one or two grams of mushrooms and you're able to then look at a tree for like two hours and be deeply interested in it like you're deeply interested in how it looks and all the grooves and the bark and the, all the, the texture and all the different kind of the, the differences in color in the leaves and the nature around you, the birds humming, like you can be deeply interested in that. And, and then but that's uh, psychedelics tend to help with that, but that's, they they only kind of help you see sort of what's really there. And that's what yeah. meditation, that's what meditation and prayer really connect you with that present moment. That's what meditation retreats are for, yeah. whether that's uh, more in the, the Christian religious context or just the more secular meditation context, which, which I read a lot about, but um, yeah. Definitely and like, value that. We, we should get back to the song too, by the way, because I know we, we have limited time. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. Like I said, it's easy to get lost. Yeah, I know. We'll I'm definitely gonna, have to do this again at some point. Definitely, yeah. I'm going to sign off at like 11. Um, do we want to dive into the track list then? Because we have talked quite a bit about the song, the first little chunk. Sure. And we yeah, can just, yeah, you know. I mean, I mean uh, other than that, if I. Um, I guess the, the only thing I want to say. Um, just just about the song is that um, it's ba basically. I guess you won't go into. To, 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 I guess you won't go into too much depth. But the the song, basically, he's 
talking about the savior complex that he has and how he's done so much about he he's she's trying to do so much for the culture and he has been with good kid mad city tpab and dam trying to effectuate change in the world trying, trying to reform the culture trying to disrupt these deep patterns of trauma violence revenge culture that's in his community and he, so he's lamenting how ineffective he's been in, in his view and mm-hmm. the, that's kind of a deep tragedy of trying to like actually make change but realizing it's falling on deaf ears and not able to enact the change he wants to do because changing people is, is so hard right it's it's incredibly hard and this is again this, this conversation can go so many places but, but that that's another thing that's another reason why i advocate for psychedelic therapy because that that is the most effective solution for people who are chronically depressed anxious or have ptsd or who have certain tendencies, it is, it is incredibly hard to change behavior. It's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that, that's what he's talking about. I know you said you want to talk a little bit about the, the chorus, something that stuck out to you. Cause that, that oh, yeah. Was, so that, that, that relates to what I'm saying right now. So he's saying, look what I've done for you. Look what I've done for you. He's talking to the culture. He's talking to the hood. He's talking to people in his community. You know, he's, he's tried to do so much, um, to uplift his community and inspire them to help them escape cycles of poverty, violence, revenge, and um, drinking, alcoholism, drug dealing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he's, so he, he's sort of expressing that, but he's, then he's talking about how it's been um, ineffective. Yeah. And I really like the way he's just like, you know, you know, he's asking for them to want this. He's, you know, he says, look what I've done for you. But before that, it's like, I want you to want me to. Like, I want you, but I want you to want me to. I want you to embrace what I'm embracing because look at Mm. how it's helped me. I know that we're in pain and I know that we're hurting, but I've Mm. lifted it up. Like, pull yourselves out, grab my hand, but nobody wants it. Right. You know, let's end these vicious cycles. And that's kind of what I took from it. And I thought it was really interesting. I also just really dug the Marvin Gaye sample. It was super cool. Yes. Really good. I'm a huge Marvin Gaye fan. So that that was sweet to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I forget who who else has sampled him a lot. I think it might have been Kendrick, because I remember looking at some of Marvin Gaye's stuff briefly, um, but I, I can't remember which artist it was that served as that gateway. Maybe it was Kanye. Kendrick Con- and Kanye both have used heavy Marvin Gaye samples, yes. and like Kanye a lot more with his sampling style. You know, him and Pharrell are very similar in that way. Like, pretty crazy how they can turn some of the old old jazz hooks into like the hardest beats on the planet, but. I don't know. He Kendrick used. I mean, Kendrick and Kanye used Marvin Gaye quite a bit. Yeah. And actually, there was one other person that Kanye uses that I'm just. A, oh, and Otis Redding as well. Okay. Kanye sampled him like four or five times now, and I know Kendrick has as well. Mm. Not quite as much, but they're really cool. I love seeing them when they pop up on his projects. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Before we start talking about the track list, um, any just quickly any favorite lyrics my mine just just kind of what just there, there's so much amazing stuff about the song but what did just that line he had about um i wasn't perfect the skin i was in had truly suffered temptation impatience everything that the body nurtures um and, and then later on specifically face your fears always knew that i would made it that i would make it here where the energy is magnified and persevered, consciousness is synchronized and crystal clear. 
euphoria is glorified and made his reflecting on my life and what I've done, paid dues, made rules, changed out of love, them same views, made schools, changed curriculums. I thought mm-hmm. that was super powerful. Just the imagery, the language, consciousness is synchronized and crystal clear. Euphoria is glorified. I mean, just such powerful language and just evoke some deep emotions. Amazing. Yeah. I agree. It's super solid. I think my favorite bar or like chunk of song, he starts and he's like, you know, the streets got me fucked up. Y'all can miss me. I want to represent for us. New revolution was up and moving. And it's tight. Mm. Cause you know, BLM, he was there like front lines, fist out here, ready representing like, let's end this. Let's stop this. It's like, now I'm in Argentina, wiping my tears, full of confusion, water in between us. Another peer has been executed. And I'm pretty damn sure that part in the song is when Nipsey pops up on screen. Uh, no. no, no that's, is that not that's it? When, or am no, I too, too early? No, no, that's too early. Yeah, this is actually yeah, where Jesse, this is actually where Jesse Smollett comes in. Okay, Hopefully. okay. Interesting, because that's when he says the make amends, then find uh, N-word with the same skin to do it. Um, he just comes in yeah. briefly, and I think uh, I think OJ might be next. But yeah, anyway, yeah. that's very personal. And I, I didn't know sorry, this, I, this, but this, this I wasn't is sure what part he came in. It's been a hot minute since I watched the video, but make amends, yeah, find the same N word um, to do it with the same skin to do it. But that's the culture. Crack a bottle, hard to deal with the pain when you're sober. By tomorrow, we forget the remains. We start over. That's our problem. Yeah, it's. I think that's my favorite bar in the song, like from crack a bottle down. It's just so solid, like especially to hear someone as old as he is and as who's been in the game as long as he has been around substance abuse and the reason it is so heavily used, right? Like we do that stuff to forget our problems a lot of the time, like when it's being abused. And, you know, I've seen friends do it. I know that it happens a lot in the hood. I know that it happens a lot, you know, in middle class and high class homes as well. It's just such a big problem. And today's culture is normalizing it. You know, you have shows like Euphoria, which I'll admit the first season was done really well. I wasn't a fan of the second season, but they like glorify the substance abuse and just make you think it's okay. Mm, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's like he's really like saying he's like, this is the problem. Like, what the fuck? And he has a Euphoria line here. Uh, somewhere too right, well, yeah, yeah. find it the, the one that i mentioned euphoria yeah. is magnified right it's magnified people zoom in on that shit it was so heavily promoted i don't even think the last season of game mm. of thrones was that promoted mm. like i get it you know it, they're doing crazy things and it's it really is a standout show it's got a solid story i felt like the first five episodes of season two were shit it was just like mm. 20 minutes of nudity and yeah, yeah nothingness and i feel like the yeah. first season did so well because it was a lot of character interaction and storytelling with through in like character relationships which is what they did so well and they only got back to that the last two episodes because they were so stuck on like watch people get fucked up watch people have a lot of sex watch people get more effed up because they just hurt each other having a lot of sex let's just focus all our attention on that. And it's so shit. And I think it's one reason I really, really disliked it. But one reason also why I felt this bar was so hard. 
because it hit the nail just like right on top of the head. Yeah, exactly. I have to grab uh, my charger. I have to grab one other thing. Um, don't worry, the, the good people at Colin, they, they have a, uh, an algorithm that, that kills all the dead space. So we're just going to pause for a minute here, Tyler, if that's okay. Of course. For you and then people listening to this. Right, we're back here. Hey, man, I'm excited to get back Tyler. into it. Yeah. Um, so you were saying something last? Mm, I can't quite remember what I was saying. I think we were touching on um, on the euphoria stuff and oh yeah, you know, yeah. How, how substance has been so praised in the media as of late. And he really just calls it out and is like, this is the fucking problem and it needs to stop. Like, let's fix things. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I could, I could, we can talk all about it, euphoria as well. Um, that's an interesting yeah. cultural phenomenon. I actually, I, I went through season one a little bit and didn't find it to be that interesting. I feel like I should maybe try again. Um, but otherwise <laughs> I did dabble, I did dabble with season two as well. And yeah, like you're, what you're saying, just so much nudity, so much substance. It's kind of a failed project and being very kind of woke, progressive, or trying to like be really, really loose with any kind of like yeah. structure or order. It's all just chaos. It's pure chaos. And it's try, trying to promote, it's not trying to like creatively, like there's nothing wrong with nudity. There's nothing wrong with people like, like in, in terms of depicting people who are going through you know, whatever mental health crises, alcoholism, but it's when it's done in the way that it was done in a very dry, um, uninteresting. And accepting. And, um, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. In an accepting way and kind of condoning something that we shouldn't be condoning as a culture. It's like, I don't, I don't want my sister watching this. I don't want her to ever watch this. I, I don't think this has a good impact on our culture, but, uh, but anyway, that's just a, we can, that's a, that's a tangent. Um, yeah. And like, one last thing I just kind of wanted to touch on was like, sure. you know, when you came through it and it wasn't for you, yeah, you really got to dive into it and like watch episode okay. to episode because a lot okay. of it that they do so well is the character relationship and watching the stories follow through the characters and like their one-on-one -on -one interactions with each other because the show as a whole is not that, that swell. Like it, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to write a euphoria, but the way they handle things in the first season was really well done. And they do come full circle and bring it back around at the end of season two, but the first six episodes were trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really picky with what I watch. Like, like I have all of the subscriptions cause I can't like Netflix is not enough. Crave isn't enough. Like I, I even have Apple TV, Disney plus yeah. um, Paramount. Like I, I really try to find, cause I'm very picky. I try to find like shows that really resonate with me. So Sometimes it's difficult trying to find that, but any anything that doesn't grab me right away, I I don't usually um, waste my time. But but Euphoria, there's a lot of hype there, so I feel like maybe I should go back and try to see if there's anything that grabs me. Yeah, man, but, and um, it's not the greatest yeah. show. Like I'm not yeah, saying you're yeah. gonna watch it and fall in love, but I definitely think it is worth yeah. a watch through, at yeah. least the first. Season. Okay, did you have but, anything else you wanted to maybe say about? Uh, the hard part five before we start talking about the track list and just previous Kendrick songs, maybe man, you know, I think we hit it really well. You know, we could talk all night about the heart, but I think we should yeah. move along and get into yeah. maybe the track list. Cause I even like, I have looked at it, but I haven't really looked at it. You know, I wanted to keep it mainly for here. So it's getting, you know, sure. my first thoughts sure. out. Maybe, maybe before we do that, I also, 
like you know there's it's it's important also to celebrate and recognize the incredible discography that Kendrick has. Yeah. So maybe um maybe we can just share our favorite favorite Good Kid, Mad City, favorite T-Pab, favorite Damn songs. Let's do it. And maybe and just kind of briefly just kind of briefly describe why. Um, do you want to start? Yeah. Can I just name first off my like favorite Kendrick song of all time? Sure. It's uh, the Black Friday Freestyle, where Kendrick raps over the Tale of Two Cities beat. Mm. Okay. And he goes crazy, and he hits on so many you know subjects. He hits on you know Donald Trump's presidency. He hints on he hints on you know his meditation here. He hints on his own you know experiences. Um, you know, a young kid as he first is coming into rap, you know, um, he has a lot of really good points and he loves spitting bars. Like the whole time he's making little jokes and it's just a really fun all around good song. And I think it's just like my by far favorite Kendrick song. It was one of the first ones that I learned almost all the bars for. And then next to that, I would say my favorite good kid Mad City song would probably be. Let me see the track list one more time. Oh, easily the art of peer pressure. Hmm. One hundred percent. Yep. I think it's so solid, and it really represents what kids in the hoods go through. Yeah, I was actually I was going to say that one too. Yeah. yeah. It, it just just the story on that song is incredible, right? It's it's oh, done real time. He's trying to commit an armed robbery with his bros at night, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then the cops come and they barely get away, if I remember correctly. In that song, towards the end, yep. you hear the sirens. They barely just make it out. And and if that's true, which I, I assume it is, you know, very true. If not, maybe exaggerated or whatever in any slight way. But um, you know, like that that shows when you're caught up in that culture. When he was caught up in that culture, you know, for whatever reason, he got away. If he, if he didn't get away, if he had been caught and incarcerated, there's there's no, there is no Kendrick Lamar, right? It's yeah. like like it's just there's deeper questions about fate, destiny, you know, God's plan for everybody. But on on the just just the cultural level, it's yeah, you know, it's exactly what the title says: the art of peer pressure. It's like you're in that environment where you're influenced by everybody who's doing that. Um, around him, and you just, you just become a victim of whatever's going on. I'm just looking at the lyrics now. Um, did anything jump out from you from that? Um, I think I honestly, like, vivid storytelling. I'm just looking here. It's very. It's like he's talking about how hot it is in the car, um, who who's there, what he's wearing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, it's it's just a beautiful, vivid story of trying to do an armed robbery with his friends and how he barely just makes it out. So it's an it's just. A be- it's just an interesting example of, of peer pressure and of just barely making it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's my favorite off of Good Kid Mad City for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it does that really well. It's, I love storytelling and I love fiction and nonfiction. And I love when artists are able to, you know, bring us into a world of a fictional character that just grabs us, you know, like Tyler does in Igor, you know, it's, it's not exactly true events, but it's based on his own experiences told from the perspective of someone else. I loved it. 
I loved on this where it's like, it's so insane how accurate and how vividly he describes, like describes his experience that it's like, I almost feel like it's fiction, but he's just that good of a storyteller. He is super cool at, I'm sorry, super good at doing that so well. And I, yeah. I think that's what grabs me. Like there's no bar that's just like, holy shit. He did not just do that. Like, you know, there's with 10 different meanings behind it, but the whole thing is just like enchanting. Yes. Yeah. And then what about here? Go first for, uh, to pimp a butterfly. Yeah. Well, you know, what? we're also we have 20 minutes. I feel like we should, we, we should, um, get into the track list, but maybe, maybe just name it. Just name your T-Pab and maybe just, All right. like, just, and these and, walls. And just okay. What, what, why these walls briefly? Give us like, um, a brief reason why. I think it's a really dope song. I really like the sampling and the jazziness to it. It's got a good groove. The bass is like exactly that. It's enchanting. It's riveting. It. It's a song that I can really vibe with. Mm. Even though I don't maybe necessarily see the whole point of it, but like the groove to that song is really, really well done. And it's just like beautiful. Mm. It's very soul, solely soul inspired. Yeah, I and mean, maybe I'll just add to that with with these walls. I remember writing about it in an essay I wrote for the Globe and Mail, a national newspaper here in Canada. Um, yeah, this was I think this was a couple of years ago where I wrote about how Kendrick inspired me, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I've emailed the people at the Globe to get permission to review it for them. Um, I don't know if they, I don't know if they'll let me do it. They, they've let me do it, um, let me do music reviews in the past, but. They have a different editorial uh, team now, so I don't know if they'll um, love me. But finger fingers crossed for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I remember I remember um, I remember writing about these walls um, in that article, and yeah, it's the 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 narrative. I remember ex- vividly um, in AP Lit class, grade grade twelve, we were studying um, Hamlet by Shakespeare, and a lot of mm-hmm. themes about revenge. And I was just con- I remember connecting it to these walls, which is about. Um, Kendrick seeking revenge by, um, well, well, not not him literally, but the character he's, he's embodying in that story. Um, he's sleeping with, um, with a girl who uh, had a relationship with somebody who uh, killed one of Kendrick's homies, and so he's incarcerated, yeah. and so he's seeking this this deep, twisted uh, revenge, and he's sleeping with this girl in order to get that. And he's just, he's talking about how he's misusing his influence. I think that was a part of the spoken word poem Mm -hmm. um, that he had, that that song represented misusing his influence. And then the walls represent, um, the walls represent the, 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 the sexual vaginal walls of the woman, but also the prison walls of the, of the person he's trying to get uh, revenge for. Um, uh, and And I remember also this woman, um, she, yeah, she had children with the guy who is in jail for killing one of Kendrick's friends. And so he's in this, yep. just this perverse twisted setting where he's trying to do something that's deeply sinful, obviously. And so it, it's, it's just a, a, a brilliant song that goes into the morality of doing all of that. Yeah, totally. Okay. Let's get into the track list. Let's do it. Um, so first thing that I really wanted to touch on 
Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, a part of Kendrick retiring, you know, he feels he's done all he can. I do see him being someone who would want to settle down, you know, having such a heavy Christian background. I feel like that's an idea he would heavily adopt is, you know, starting a family and not bringing maybe the music shit into it. And who knows, maybe in a few years he comes back, but we cry together and it's featuring Taylor page. And he's like, I see the cover with the woman, you know, breastfeeding the baby. Um, that's his wife. And him holding sure. a kid. That's his wife, yeah. right? Yeah, I believe so. It does look like her. And that is his yeah. kid. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, he's settling down, starting a family. Like, his kids are getting older, right? He's got another baby. Like, I feel like it could be a really emotional song, heartfelt, talking about, you know, the importance of his relationship with, with his wife and his vulnerability maybe in the sense that you know we heard the heart part five be so heavily you know saturated in the topic of gang violence Mm -hmm. you know maybe this is his like profession of i don't know i feel like it's going to be really heartfelt really really diving into like him and his wife's relationship and maybe their experience with gang violence and wanting to keep their kids out of it. Maybe it's tears of sorrow or tears of joy that they mm. do have the, um, you know, the, the ability to take their kids out of the projects and make sure they don't live surrounded by those things. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I'm like really excited to hear that. I'm excited to hear silent Hill with Kodak. I feel like that's an odd feature for Kendrick, but I'm excited to hear what he does with it. Yeah, that is an odd feature. I would I would not associate those two ever in my mind. <laughs> no, not uh, at all. But this, it's interesting. Maybe he strategically employs him to represent something because they're right. just such different. They're such different energies, such different personalities of people. Um, I, so I don't know, and I don't know, and maybe you know, like we're like we discussed before doing this is like we're just going to like speculate what this could mean. What, what what could a silent hill mean? Um, like the hill that you die on, possibly, mm-hmm. or maybe they're doing a little bit of a callback to the rap group Silent Hill. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, or you know, Silent Hill, like rising, you know, hill. You're rising to the top mm-hmm. with with silence, kind of low key. Um, I don't know, but there's the Saviors right after that. There's a song, the Savior interlude, and then there's an actual Savior song. Um, the interlude's like two minutes here, and then the song is four minutes. Um, probably mm-hmm. going deeper into that savior complex that he expresses in the hard part five of trying to save the culture, trying to save his people, trying to save just humanity at large through spiritually inspired, you know, God channelizing music yeah. that he has. I'm sure he's going to express some of that. Um, Auntie, Auntie Diaries, according to Apple Music. And according to 10 seconds of song that I, I just could not resist, I just clicked play for 10 seconds. He was talking about his auntie who um, apparently had some masculine tendencies and it seems to be talking about her becoming trans or something or uh, or coming out as lesbian or whatever. Um, so so that, that'll be interesting. How that's a, that's a direction I would never think he would go in, but that'll be interesting to hear um, where that goes. Um, totally. What do you what do you think about um, like Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers? So it's divided into two, 
and the way he posed with the two CDs, like one being Mr. Morale, the other being the big steppers. Like, I wonder what duality the two sections might have the first yeah. part with the second part. I don't know. Like it's definitely, there's definitely going to be some deep interaction. Like, I don't know if it's going to be like a thematic shift, if it's going to be a shift in tone, a shift in character, shift in subject. I'm just trying to look here. If there's anything that like ties together thematically, you know the, the, the first 10, nine tracks versus the, the second nine tracks. I don't know if you know what I just yet, but noticed, you know, Purple Hearts. A Purple Heart is awarded to a soldier after an act of bravery. Oh. And that's the last mm. track on Mr. Morale. And it's United of Grief. It's N95, Worldwide Steppers, Die Hard, Father Time. Father Time, you know, maybe in Die Hard is he, you know, speaking the perspective of someone who was killed in gang violence. And Father Time, you know, they're going back up to the Father, you know, the Lord. Um mm. They're rich, and, I, and then they're and rich. I, and, I, and, I, and on that on that note too, Father Time, Sam, Samfa, I think had the best feature on the life of Pablo on Saint Pablo, the last track, if you remember, yeah, where he where, where Samfa was kind of voicing, um, voicing like a, a connection with God, with when you, um, uh, uh, when you're looking up at the night sky, wondering whether God's in your night life, when you're looking at yeah. na 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 na. So I don't know, maybe maybe he's doing that similar kind of thing and representing something spiritual in Father Time. If Father mm-hmm. means God in the biblical sense, and that, that could that because could be really he profound. has had so many biblical references and he is a pretty you know heavy Christian. I feel like seeing that like Die Hard, Father Time, Rich, Rich Spirit. You know, we all want you know in our beliefs our spirit to be rich and you know fulfilled and to feel rich with the spirit and you know. I feel like that's like if he did die and it is father time, it's time to go to the father. Now he's at the father. He's got a rich spirit. He's looking down, you know, sees his loved ones crying, you know, but he's crying tears of joy. They're crying together. We cry together. And then finally he's awarded the purple heart for his bravery and everything he went through. Mm. And that's just my take on it. Like, that's what I see. United in grief makes sense. You know, it's gang violence. It's gang on gang. They're against each other, but in that, it brings them closer together because they're all experiencing the same things, going through the same things. Right. Right. And I feel like he's really seen that with School by Q and Isaiah Rashad. You know, um, they make a callback into one of their, I can't remember if it was a, um, a group song or a feature where they were both on the same track. I'm pretty sure schoolboy, it's either schoolboy or Isaiah who say it, because one's a crip and one's a blood. He says blue um, shark, uh, I think it's blue shark in bloody water. I can't remember mm. the line. He makes a tangent on like how, you know, even though Isaiah is a, a blood or a crip, he's still my brother, even though we're on opposing sides. Like we don't see the same way, but I still work with him. I still love him. Hmm. Right. I'm going to look up that bar because it's really, really interesting. And I think that could yeah, be a big thing, sure. you know, United in Grief. Talking about gang violence. N95 sure. could be a reference to COVID. Definitely COVID. I wonder what observations he might have about COVID. I wonder what he yeah. might say because he's, ta- he's going to probably talk about some deeper philosophical implications of COVID. Um, I, remember, I remember Dave Chappelle. He was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast a while ago. Um, I don't know if you listen to, to Rogan or if you listen to that one. 
I do but, listen uh, to Rogan, but very selectively, just because I don't have a whole lot of time yeah. in my new schedule <laughs> with my change up yeah. at work. So it's like when I can, I do, but I try to hit my favorites. I love yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Though. He's a fan. Yeah, he's, he's he's fucking awesome. He's, uh, he's amazing. What super, super super nice. He 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 retweeted my um, article on doing the the psychedelic therapy, which is just so huge. He's super nice and he's always looking for like up and coming talent so it's shout out to him for kind of supporting me behind the scenes and in a little way that he he can on twitter great guy yeah he's he's amazing and i saw that and was super pumped for you bro like when i saw that i was like holy shit rav made it man the man noticed him and like shout him out it was crazy i was super proud yeah just to be like yeah i've I've known him for years this is nuts yeah yeah i appreciate that good time um, but anyway, sorry, what, what I was going to say was he had Dave Chappelle on and Dave Chappelle, who's also not on social media. He's an, he's an artist of the purest form in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. He, they were talking about COVID and Dave Chappelle was on this long rant about the philosophical implications of COVID, how it's made us reevaluate risk, reevaluate our interaction with other people and with the masks on, how it's, um, uh, obscured or, or, or hidden, you know, our expressions and our kind of, uh, uh our, obviously our physical outlooks and how it's sort of made a kind of broader anonymity in our culture. And, and anyway, like I, I listened to Chappelle and I was like, wow, like this is not, these are COVID takes that I'm not going to hear on CNN or Fox news or anywhere else. These are like deeper, deeper COVID <laughs> takes or what, how, how the pandemic has radically changed our life. So, so I'm curious, I'm curious what Kendrick has to bring, what observations he has, what, what he's absorbed in, in terms yeah. of what, what, how the pandemic has just radically shifted um, our lives. Yeah, I'm really excited. And quick back point on this. I'm sorry to keep, you know, diverting us, but I For found sure. that bar. It's from Shot You Down by Isaiah Rashad. It's actually J-Rock, not Schoolboy. But he said, um, look, because where I'm from, I'm a blood on an island surrounded by blue water sharks all around me. It's like, you know, he's the mm. one blood in this top dog crew just because he came from the other side of Compton. Mm. And to see him, like, so welcomed and so held, like, even though he shouldn't be there, he's like, all right, I'm safe. I'm on an island. Like, I'm good. Mm. And I think that'd be – it's a cool kind of wraparound to what I was mentioning about United and Grief. Just, you know, even though it's gang violence and it's heavy, they can still come together because they've been through the same mm. shit, just different sides. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm noticing now with I'm just looking at the second set of tracks, um, and I'm just you know count me out is the first one on the the second side of the album. Count me out strikes me maybe he's playing some kind of character. Count me in is a positive thing. Count me out. Well, well that could be positive too if if, if that could be count me out of something bad. But if it's something yeah. good, count me out of that like by not participating. Um. I don't, I don't know, just just the way I'm looking at it. Mr. Morale, like as in like the first part of the album, maybe something genuine from his perspective. And the Big Steppers, which which that was a um, an idiom that I did not even know what that meant. So I had to look that up when he released the album title. But it means like people who are looking for attention, who are looking to associate with certain people, you know. So I wonder if, you know, Mr. Morale is the first part and the second part might be something more about society, maybe or him playing a certain character count me out crown if crown could be something about fame about high status i, I don't know i don't know because auntie diaries i know is going to be very personal it's going to be a personal anecdote mm-hmm. 
So I, I don't know how exactly the split is going to happen. One thing I'll quickly oh. note. One thing I'll quickly note before I let you talk is also the other song that I briefly listened to, like a minute right before we started the podcast. I was listening to Mirror, and the instrumental on that thing is fucking crazy. It's it sounds like a bit of like Tame Impala, like psychedelic, oh, synth heavy. Like I listened to, it, I was like, holy shit! Like really, is this what I'm listening to? And that's actually because the rap scene, in my view, has been so deprived and horrible for the past three years. I've I've been listening to a lot of Tame Impala, psychedelic pop, dream pop, you know, like less mm-hmm. sort of lyrical, like 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 no real interest in lyrical stuff, but more interest in just like deep emotional, um, just instrumental heavy stuff. So I was just surprised to hear yeah. here and with the yeah. I I love that kind of stuff. I think it's great. I think Tyler does it really well. So I'm excited to see how Kendrick does it. But I do have a bit of a bias being like such a heavy Tyler fan for so long. I think kid can do no wrong, but I digress. Um, uh, What you were saying about kind of the titles, though, Mr. Morale and then the Big Steppers, you know, Mr. Morale being more conscious of his actions and the Big Steppers not really caring. They're just seeking attention. Maybe the first half is about himself being disconnected and learning more about how to be more moral based and you know Mm. centered and focusing on his own actions and maybe the second part the big steppers is referring to what he's witnessed now that he has come into himself and he knows what he's doing and he's he can define right and wrong internally he's looking out and seeing like wow look at everyone you're all seeking attention and this is what i'm viewing this is it from my perspective this is what i kind of my take after taking a step back figuring out myself i'm mr morale and you are the big steppers this is my story Mm. this is how Mm. i see it this is how i see you and how i see society and i feel like that almost kind of hooks with you know new thoughts because he says you know as he produces his final t album he feels joy to have you know had such a cultural impact whether it's the struggles or success but he's continuing his life's calling and it's like shit, man, you know, he's reflecting on what matters most, the life in which my words will land next. He says like, he's so, so Mm. deep and so focused on himself now. And with the amount of meditation he does this, Mm. how spiritual he is, how disconnected he is. I think he's the perfect person to speak on, you know, society with an outside point of view Mm. similar to someone like sam harris might or you know anyone else who's taken long retreats away from things sure to take a step back reflect jordan peterson Peterson, he's a great guy yeah for sure yeah and love jordan peterson yeah yeah he's he's freaking awesome so motivation dude and you got to be on that show too i was gonna say congrats bro uh, 12 rules to life is one of my favorite books yeah. so i'm glad you were able to get that connect and really hop yeah. in there yeah that was an amazing interview i did with him just such a fascinating person oh yeah and actually i and i i remember the um dissect podcast you know that yeah. guy yeah. Cole who does it. yeah he i remember him telling him him telling me um just over twitter how he was listening to jordan peterson's biblical lectures and how they helped him understand the biblical density of dam um which is just fascinating stuff but listen, I got to go here. Um, it was great talking to you. It was amazing. Glad I had you on. I'm glad I had you on. You're, you're actually, you're, you're very articulate. Um, you know, you're not just 
a music fan. That's why I, that's why I called you on because I knew you were like really, really into music. So mm-hmm. um, it's good to have you on. It's good to talk about this. Um, I'm excited to listen to the album and see what's uh, in store. Yeah, man, me too. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to listen and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. You know, I'd love to Great. sit down and talk to you again after we listen to it to really dive sure. deeper into everything, everything. 